what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films. This is the show here on TheMesh.tv where we have movie reviews, film discussion, and just plenty of hijinks, I'm sure, to ensue. Chris Fry, my man across the table here. How you doing, bud? Doing good. Good. I'm Alan Jackson. We're here to talk some films. We're here to talk some movies. Uh, we've got some good ones to talk about today, or at least some interesting ones to talk about. I'm gonna just—I'm well, not going to say good yet because we haven't gotten to our reviews. <laughs> but uh, we do have two films we're going to be reviewing today. First off, we're going to be reviewing the film Oblivion, starring Tom Cruise, and then we're also a little bit later on going to have the latest from Terrence Malick to The Wonder. Beyond that, we're also going to have some movie news, and we're going to cap off the show with our uh, typical staple, our online recommendations, films we think you ought to check out online if you haven't already. All of this on this episode of Foot Candle Films. Chris, you ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. First off, our first review, the film of Oblivion, starring Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman. 60 years ago, Earth was attacked. We won the war. But they destroyed half the planet. Everyone's been evacuated. Nothing human remains. We're here for drone repair. With a mop-up crew. Two more weeks, Jack. Then we can finally leave and join the others. Don't take any chances. I've been watching you, Jack. You're curious. What are you looking for in those books? Do they bring back old memories? We have an unidentified impact. Don't ask too many questions. Seems the summer blockbuster season, I guess, has started already in April. Yeah, summer. it gets earlier every year, doesn't it? Yeah, just like, you know, Halloween, it's like, it's like celebrating Thanksgiving, Christmas. Christmas. Right. Yeah, they keep moving it back and back. Well, I'm fine. But bigger movies, better movies, that, that's cool. Last year's crop featured two sci-fi films, Total Recall and Prometheus. Is that the only sci-fi films that there really came out? The, big, the only big ones anyway. Right. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Go with me because it's, it's part of my analogy. <laughs> I see. Okay, two. Yes. Uh, yes. So with Total Recall, Alan, you and I are both on record saying we'd rather not recall it, correct? Yeah, didn't do much for me. Okay. Prometheus, on the other hand, received praise from the pod, our podcast. I thought it was fine. You really, I really, really liked it. it. I've yeah. got it ranked as one of my favorite films of 2012. Yes. Okay, with Obliv- Oblivion... Mm-hmm. which is the second feature from Tron legacy director, Joseph Kaczynski. Mm-hmm. We're told the story of Jack, one of the few remaining drone repairmen left on earth after has been ravaged by a war with aliens known as scavengers or scavs. If you're hip yep, to the lingo scavs. of 2077. Mm-hmm. So you got to be down with it. Everything's shortened. That's right. They probably took the vowels out too. Probably. Yeah. Rest of humanity. They've moved up to a orbiting space station satellite thing called the Tet or whatever while resources are being taken up into these big harvester things. And that's what Tom Cruise is like, who's Jack. He's basically the guy who's supposed to help repair these things. So with Mr. Cruise's latest effort, Alan, where does it rank on your scale? Is it more towards the total recall end or on the Prometheus side? I guess for you, you know, how do you, how do you find And I can use that scale because I did think Prometheus was a much, much better effort than total the total recall remake was. Um, even though I wasn't quite on either extreme on either of those films as I think you were, I think you were pretty 
pretty down hate, hated with Total Recall and <laughs> yes. love Prometheus. Okay, so I'm I was playing within the middle on those two from last year. Okay, uh, here's the thing with Oblivion. And, and I think you summed it up pretty good. And there's a lot more to the story than just the one two line description. And we really right. can't get too right. deep into it. I tried it. to skirt some issues, but. but I will say, here's the thing about oblivion. If oblivion had come out in the 1980s. Okay. Hmm. As the story we saw in this film, if it had come out in the eighties, 20, 30 years ago, it would have been incredible. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's hmm. come out after a lot of really good sci-fi films over the last several years, which I felt this one was very derivative of. Hmm. That was my big issue with it is that there was just a lot of great ideas that I feel like I've seen already. And I felt like in a way too, the way the film was set up, I found myself spending more time the first half of the film trying to go ahead and try to guess what the obviously twists are going to be instead of just relishing in the film like I probably should have been. So I think in a way this is almost like a, it was almost a, 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 unfortunate product of people going in with expectations that, Oh, there's going to be a twist. There's going to be all these uh, things going on that you're going to learn about later in the film. And there's a lot of ideas and images in this film that are very, I felt like borrowed, copied or derivative of other great sci-fi films. Hmm. So honestly, to come out of this, I'm very lukewarm on this film. I really love the look of the film. I love the story behind the film. I love the premise of the film. Okay. And I'm an, I'm a Tom Cruise apologist. I think he's a good actor. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> I think he's very committed to his roles. Now, this role he plays just like any other Tom Cruise role, but he's still committed to the role and he's passionate about it. But I'm very lukewarm because I could not find myself to enjoy it as much as I think I could have if it hadn't been for me spotting all of the references to every other sci-fi film I think has ever been made. Hmm. And spending more time just trying to figure out well, what's going on as opposed to just enjoying the film on its own merits. That's me. I'm very much middle of the road on this one. Interesting. And the best way I can sum it up before I toss it over to you, I know you and I have been using letterboxd.com yes. uh, as a website to kind of track our films and film reviews. I intentionally have not put my letterbox review star rating up online because I knew you would see it and I didn't want you to know what my rating is. But I can go on record saying right now it's a solid three star film for me right in the middle. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Well, okay. Star ratings are kind of tough for they me are, because yeah. I, you know, go back and forth. To boil it down, if I had yeah. to for Letterboxd, which I as well did not put my score on there because didn't mm-hmm. want you to see it. I would Although probably, I saw your score for Two the Wonder already. Ah, did cheating. you? Yeah, okay. anyway, that's um, We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but for this, I would probably rank it three and a half. And, but I think my half doesn't fairly communicate how much more I apparently like it than you do. So you did like this film? Yes. Okay. Um, the good. number one problem I had with the film was Tom Cruise. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. All right. If I had been able to copy and replace him, you know, control yeah. and copy and replace uh, with anyone else, well, the, anyone, anyone else, but, okay, but what is I would have liked let's, it. let's get into this for a second. But what is it about Tom Cruise that, oh, that you don't we, like? We're going to no, go ahead. That yeah, can? Yeah, yeah okay. go ahead. Do it. Open can the is can. Open. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll specifically nail it down to this film. He is basically reliving his days of Top Gun. You say, how's that? Oh, there's shower scenes in this movie. More than one where he's like, oh, here I am. I'm Tom Cruise <laughs> taking a shower. Okay. So you're like, all right, I'll try to, try to forget that. Okay. Well, then you have not one, but at two and maybe three, I lost count motorcycle scenes where he's like, you know, like Top Gun with the wind going through his hair, which he looks ridiculous now doing that. Okay. So there's another Top Gun thing. And then as if there wasn't already enough. Are you talking about the sunglasses? 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That would be th- that would be another one. Okay, yeah. aviator sunglasses. Another Top Gun thing. Sure. Then all of that, and then there's some scenes with him flying around in this little contraption, and he's doing like this, you know, Top Gun fighter pilot thing, like yeah. these little dogfight chases. I'm like, ah, anyone else? You, you would know, have been happy with anyone else, probably. Wow. And I, I just really don't like. Tom Cruise. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm done with it. You're him. one of those guys. So not that, sure. But it's not that I think he's a bad actor. I'm just tired of seeing him. It's like, oh, we need an action hero. Let's use Tom Cruise. Okay. And so right. Here's my take on that. Yes, he does play on a lot of the same tropes in many of his roles. The times I admire Tom Cruise the most is when he goes as far away as possible from his typical stereotype. When he really cut loose and had fun with Tropic Thunder, I thought that was great. Okay. Magnolia. Even though he's yeah. playing a he's playing. Those a, were a while ago. Though. Oh, I know, but he played a form <laughs> of his type. But he, it was really he spun it on his head, and I thought that was a great performance. Yes, he is in Top Gun. Uh, gosh, Mission Impossible mode here. Absolutely, I get it. And I just recently saw Ghost Protocol, and you and I are like night and day on that movie. I um, thought that was. No, I didn't love Ghost Protocol. Oh, okay, you did. Okay. No, I love number three. Oh, okay. Number four, I actually thought was a big letdown. Okay, so, good. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. we're on the same page. Yeah, with that, I, I thought. It had some merits, but it was not a good film overall. I was excited about it when it came out. I think that's where you heard my enthusiasm. But in the okay. actual world of seeing it, I was very it was let, let down. down. Okay. So I'm okay with Tom Cruise. I take <laughs> it's like a it's like an old friend from high school ah. where you kind of know how he's going to be, and you just kind of <laughs> gotten to the point where you're okay with that, and you kind of feel like you have to apologize to everybody else around him, like oh I'm sorry for this guy. Hmm. He's just kind of that way. That's the way I feel about Tom Cruise. I'm okay. a Tom Cruise apologist. I think for the most part, the guy shows a lot of passion and energy towards every role he takes on, even though they are pretty much the same. And there's even one shot in this film. I can't tell you. Is it Top Gun related? (laughs) No, no. no, But there's one shot in this film towards the very end of the film. Okay. Very spoiler heavy. So I'm not going to say what it is. But there is a scene where he passes by a wall of a whole bunch of something. And you've got to wonder. It's probably one of the most narcissistic dreams (sighs) that that actor can have about himself. Yeah. Let me just leave it at that. And maybe we'll get to it in a spoiler edition afterwards. All right. So, okay. So, Chris, it sounds like you liked it except for Tom Cruise. Yeah. If it had been anybody else but Tom Cruise in that role, uh, your your rating goes up. Well, and I think, too, um, you and I kind of differ. This is another thing that people may pick up on. I don't like watching trailers. I don't go seek them out. Yeah. I I love them. Well, it's not that I don't like them, but. I'd usually prefer not to see them because I'd rather like see to go the movie. in unvarnished. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, because I'm afraid they're going to give something away. I saw the preview for this movie numerous times in the theater. And despite the fact it had Tom Cruise in it, I was like, wow, that movie looks really cool. I think I'm going to like it. I love sci-fi movies, uh, but it has Tom Cruise in it. And I think they gave away something pretty crucial no, in the trailer. They gave now, away a lot in the trailer. That being said, so I think there again, my expectations were kind of low going into this. I'm yeah. not a real big Tom Cruise fan. I think they kind of gave away a big secret in the trailer. I go in. Yeah, I pretty much guessed something that was going on. But there was the way they handled it. There was still enough other things going on that that didn't ruin the movie for me. There were still enough surprises, even with 10 minutes left in the film, to keep you in, in, in to keep you interested in the story. I agree with that. And other than the Tom Cruise was not as bad as I felt he was in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Mm-hmm. 
But the Top Gun stuff really got on my nerves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it like totally pulled me out of the movie. All right. But, okay. I, but I, I, think, I, I forgave some of that. I, the story itself, yes. And again, we're not going to spoil it for anybody. The story, if you were to write out the story and explain it to somebody, it is a cool story. Yeah. There are elements that are heavily copied from a lot of different films. I mean, honestly, I even played a little bit of a game with some of the friends I went to go see it with where we rattled off every sci-fi mm. film reference that this film made. Well, There's is, a lot of them. Is that our references and homage is not okay? Supposedly the director's okay. gone on record that this is an homage to sci-fi films of the 70s. And I get that. If this had been a sci-fi film of the 70s, we probably would have had Charlton Heston playing this role and it would have worked just as fine. Right. Um, some of them were a little beat you over the head with it. Mm. Okay, it's just some of them were a little okay. over the top. Honestly, to Wall-E, a film from a few years ago, Pixar film, a lot of heavy influences there. Even the, so, it's not even just seventies films. There's like eighties, nineties, even recent sci-fi films. I think I borrowed pretty heavily from. Sure, I'm happy with homages, and I think you know there again, if the guy was obviously inspired by some great sci-fi films. He took good elements from good films and made a pretty decent film himself. I'm okay with that. And overall, the story was fine. It's just I did find myself spending more time thinking about trying to predict the story because I felt Mm. like I've seen some of these elements before. I've seen some of these plot twists before. And it was a little distracting to find myself spending more time thinking about those than just enjoying the story for what it was. Gotcha. Morgan Freeman, I thought was really distracting in his role as well. I, I think it's because I would rather seen an unknown or somebody lesser known in that role than him. Uh, but he, he, played, he didn't have a lot of screen time. Though. He didn't, which I, thankfully it was more of a, it was a much smaller role than probably the, the trailers or anything would let you believe. True. Um, and for that, I'm thankful, but I didn't like, he just seems to be everywhere right now. And that was just a kind of like Tom Cruise was distracting for you. Morgan Freeman was distracting for me in that role. Gotcha. Um, and then I, I can't talk about my other dislike, which was kind of a big plot hole, kind of one of those things where if I started thinking about it afterwards, the whole film started to unravel. Wow. I'm not going to go into it now, but okay. there is one. Okay. And I guess my only recommendation for people would be don't try to overanalyze the film too, too awful much when you're done. Because I did, and I do think it hurt my enjoyment a little bit in hindsight. Hmm. So, okay. for whatever that's worth. Um, I will say, though, the look of the film, the whole world that's been created, I thought was great. Um, the technology you used, I thought was very, it wasn't over the top. It wasn't where you just felt like that's ridiculous. I mean, all of this stuff seemed pretty grounded, you know, for a future society and a future world that uh, we could have. And I love the fact, too, that, again, without getting into spoilers, there's a backstory to this film that is told, but it's not shown. Right. Which I thought was kind of nice. Hmm. We didn't have this whole flashback sequence, which I kept expecting. Right. Instead, we're told the story through some of the other characters in the film about what happened on Earth before this film. Mm-hmm. And I liked that we were told and not felt this need to, to show. So we were letting our imaginations go with it, just like the characters were. Got you. So... Anything else on the film you thought uh, worked or didn't work for you? Um, I will say two of the positives I thought were um, Olga Kurlenko, who played Julia, and okay. Andrea Risenborough, who played Vika or Victoria. Mm-hmm. Those two I, I really liked. They were good. And yeah. they were, we'll have more on Miss Olga later. Yes, she's but, in our <laughs> second review as well. Is. But um, they were new faces to me, and I liked both of them. And I would actually. Yeah, that was the strong acting in the film were those two. And as far as you had commented on the look, that's another thing I really appreciated about the film too is I thought it looked it looked great. And I guess from a guy who had done Tron Legacy, the director, 
not that surprising. You know, he's got he's got looked down, and I thought this story was much better than Tron Legacy. So the story was much better. Absolutely, I agree with you there. Now I, I was happy to see because Tron Legacy I liked, but it was more of a nostalgic thing for me. Sure. It was more of a same. Here. Hey, it's cool as Tron, and it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. But the story was pretty weak. Right. Um, so it was nice to see that this guy could take a good story. And actually apply the same visual style to it and have a really good looking film. Yeah, so he he could be, I would be interested to see his next film. You know, I'm going to be on board whenever he comes out with something else, which I think is a sequel to Tron Legacy, if I'm not mistaken. He is working on that. And I don't know if he's exactly tagged to be the director of it okay. or if he's just going to be helping write or produce it or something. Gotcha. Again, I'm, I'm happy to see another Tron film because I generally like the last one. I didn't love it, but I thought it was okay. I think so. Um, you'd mentioned a plot hole. We'll have to discuss that <laughs> off mic because I'd like to know what that is. And I saw this late at night, so I probably wasn't picking up on some plot holes. I just let them kind of yes. <laughs> go right over me. But I will say one of the things that without spoiling the ending, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to try to dance around this, but this movie could have been easily a four star or maybe even a five star, despite the fact it had Tom Cruise. There's a confrontation that takes place in the latter part of the film, you know, towards mm-hmm, the end, mm-hmm. there's a confrontation and it involves Tom Cruise, you know, Jack. And he's kind of been building up to this kind of like speech that he gives about things that are important. Let's just say mm-hmm. that. And he gives it and then something happens. And then at the final close of the film, you know, the, the ending of the film, to me, it's kind of undercut because of something that happens. And if that if the undercut moment had not have happened, I think this would have been much more amazing. But it would have been less Hollywood and probably less Tom Cruise. Well, but and my plot hole does, does that have make does that do, make sense? Yeah, and, okay. and my my big plot hole does have a little bit. Actually, two big plot holes. One of them has to do with that little coda ending uh, at the okay. end too. I, yeah, I think okay. there's a problem with that. Gotcha. Overall, it sounds like we're both. Pleased with the film, you probably a little more than me. Um, but Sounds overall, I think we both can recommend it as a oh, good, oh, yeah. good sci-fi film. Yeah, good um, and a good film to see in the theaters too. Yeah. I think oh yeah, definitely so. Much, probably much better than you would on a at a home viewing or something. Sure, so, good. So that's Oblivion. I it just came out in the last week, so it should still be out by the time you're listening to this. Sounds like it's worth a listen. Uh, I, I say go in, just turn your brain off a little bit on some of the plot points. Don't try to overthink <laughs> the story too awful much, but you can enjoy it as long as uh, as long as you don't mind. A lot of Top Gun references and old <laughs> sci-fi film references all throughout. All right. Well, let's uh, go on to our second review then. Okay. Okay with you, Chris. We'll keep on trucking. Sure. Right. Our next review, the latest from visionary director Terrence Malick. It's called To the Wonder. Love is not only a feeling. Love is a duty. To commit yourself is to run the risk of failure a risk of betrayal. But the man who makes a mistake can repent. You fear your love has died. It perhaps is waiting to be transformed into something higher. All right, Chris, I, 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 would, I would encourage everybody listening to this to go back in time and play our, one of our old episodes where we discussed the film The Tree of Life. Okay. I'm on record as saying Tree of Life was my favorite film. Uh, was it 2011? That was the year it came out. Not last year, year before. So, right. 2011, favorite film, Tree of Life. I loved it. I had not been a Terrence Malick fan as much before. I'd seen a couple of his films, but didn't really think too much about it. Tree of Life, though, man, knocked me over. And I just I loved it. 
I love the fact that he turned every image I saw on the screen into almost a, a piece of art. Mm-hmm. And I saw some great performances by some great people in the film as well. The story just moved me. It left me with a lot of questions, but it was good. That was good questions to have. I really, really enjoyed this. So I was really excited when I heard To the Wonder was coming out. It kind of snuck on the radar a little bit. I mean, it went straight to iTunes and online. So we oh, actually yeah. watched this. I watched it at home last night. I couldn't night. believe it was already yeah. coming out. It's like- so uh, starring Olga Kirienko, who we also talked about from Oblivion, Rachel McAdams, Javier Bardem, and a six-foot-tall piece of driftwood wearing an Abercrombie wool jacket that just kept popping into the frame occasionally. Nice. I don't know who this driftwood piece is, but he... Uh, Maybe he's got a future. I don't know. He was nominated for Argo, wasn't he? <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Yes, that would be Mr. Ben Affleck, the, uh, the said piece of driftwood. Uh, we'll comment on that here in a little bit. But Chris, this film, it's hard to describe. Well, let me try my best. It, to me, it was a visual poem about love and faith. That's about the best way I can sum it up. So that's what it was about. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> right. um, and I do say the word visual because there's very little spoken dialogue. A lot of heavy narration and voiceover. Very few scenes where people are actually speaking on the camera. I mean, I could probably count them on one or two. And if hands. they are speaking, can you hear what they're saying? No, and I don't think that's <laughs> the point. I really think this was a it was a truly a visual poem about love and faith. Sure. And not only just love and faith, but to quote King from The Simpsons, a lot of twirling, twirling, mm. twirling <laughs> from our main character, Miss Olga yes. Kirilenko. Yes. So, Chris, let me just ask you. I watched this at 10 o'clock last night. I stayed awake the whole time, even with a beer in hand. Oh, wow. I stayed awake. Alcohol was involved. Okay. Yes, it was. So my question to you. Did you I drink was, every time she twirled? No, I, I couldn't drink that much. <laughs> my question to you, did you get swirled up in this story of love that Malik was weaving? Or did you stare at the screen vacantly, much like Ben Affleck did, at everything going around him on the film? <laughs> fair. Fair question. Um, I'll say... When we you mentioned this in a news segment um, a couple of episodes back yeah. that this film was coming out, I was like, "What? He's already got another movie." You're yeah. crazy. And I was like, uh, "That sounds actually kind of bad, you know." Okay, and it's actually coming out on iTunes. You know, Terrence Malick is releasing something on iTunes as well. You know, it's like Uh-oh. before it goes to big before theaters. Before it goes to big yeah. theaters, you know, it's kind of like you know, warning signs going off or flashing lights. I was surprised okay. that with the running time of 112 minutes, mm-hmm. that it actually kept me interested. Okay. I, I liked the film, but I found it immensely frustrating that I felt like it was like a Seinfeld episode, except it wasn't funny and it was a movie about nothing. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was a lot of pretty images, a lot of good, but you expect that from a Terrence Malick movie and his cinematographer, which I forget the guy's name, but he's obviously really talented. They work well together. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I enjoyed the imagery and I guess the imagery was good enough to carry me for two hours, even though I was just like, what? Like, what is this movie about? Okay, yeah, there's a priest, but he actually, Javier Bardem, who is, you know, he speaks another language, you know, he's a Spanish sort of, I could actually, but he would speak English in the movie. He actually got more speaking than Affleck or yes, Terlanco did. As far as on screen, like yeah, talking, like talking in a dialogue, and, that, yeah. and I was like, the other stuff, like, it was frustrating. It was like muttering. And it wasn't even like artistically done muttering. It was just irritating. Like the stuff they were, the fragments of conversation. It was just, I didn't find it artistic. I just found it frustrating. Okay. And, um, but like I say, with the visuals, it somehow kept me in the movie. Um, And that was really surprising because usually just visuals is not going to keep me there for two hours. Mm -hmm. So what what are your thoughts? Exactly the same page. 
I, I, I ultimately am going to give this, this film a pass in a good, a, a generally, generally acceptable rating from <laughs> generally me. Generally acceptable. And it's mainly because of the visuals. I, okay. If this had not been such a strikingly beautiful, beautiful film, I would have turned it off after 30 minutes. Yeah. The fact is, for two hours, I was watching visual poetry on the film on, on the screen. It was beautiful. Now, the minute I tried to actually pay attention to what the actors were doing or saying, I got frustrated as well. I almost think it would have worked better as a pure silent film. It should have been a scored film with no dialogue. Yeah. It yeah, might as well have been a silent film, yeah. actually. Let the visuals tell the story and, and let us make up our own interpretation of what the film's trying to say or what the story is behind it. I would have actually found that to be even challenging but kind of enjoyable in a way to like make up our own dialogue for people based on the the music and the images and the people that we're seeing interact well and i agree with that and i think to me the thing that was always in the back of my mind was that this felt like nothing but outtakes from the tree of life yeah um and because the tree of life obviously you know we discussed that film the themes about the creation what does life mean all these like struggles that people are having this film is struggles too, but it's on such a smaller scale, but it seems like it's just, it's leftovers. Yeah. And so it was, it was unsatisfying. I will say though, Javier Bardem, I really enjoyed him in this film and I thought he was really good. And to see him play this priest that was struggling with, you know, faith. And it, I just thought it was really good, especially because I'm used to seeing him as like Anton Chigurh. Of kind of yeah. <laughs> I thought he was good so, too. It just felt like it was in a whole different movie. True. I mean, and I think in a way like tree of life, but this yeah. is, let me, let me kind of shift over to my dislikes because sure. I do want to, I do want to state beautiful film. Yeah, and right. I think the visuals did make this film work ultimately for me for enough to say people that are, are, are fans of Terrence Malick ought to check it out. And if you're a fan of just seeing some really, really great imagery, great cinematography, absolutely, it's a good film. The problem starts to come when you start to break down everything else going on. And I think <laughs> I actually felt like at times I was almost like watching somebody making a parody of a Terrence Malick film. I, yeah, I can see that. Because some of the lines being spoken in the, in the voiceover. That you could actually hear. Well, were actually <laughs> just corny and ridiculous at times mm-hmm. to the point where I actually said, really? Did they really just have that character say that line or say the, these phrases and words? And were they phrases from Mr. Affleck or from? Um, no, no. Luckily, Mr. Affleck didn't have a whole lot to say in the whole film. True. It was mostly from Rachel McAdams' part in the middle. I uh, thought hers was probably the weakest part of the whole film. Huh. She was probably the worst actress on the film, and her lines delivered in voiceover were just over the top corny. It was <laughs> it was almost what you would expect a teenage uh, high school girl to like write in a love letter to like a, <laughs> a boy that they're fawning over. And it's just, wow. it just was over the top and didn't work for me. Okay. So I felt parts of it were just, you know, over the top Malik It's almost like Malik almost went a little too far with his idiosyncrasies of, I want to show people walking through the fields and I want to show people twirling and I want to show <laughs> all this stuff. It was just, it was too much at times. Yeah. But there uh, again, the yeah. visuals outweighed it. I just, I just didn't like the characters. I didn't know them enough to know that I liked them or disliked <laughs> yeah, them. I, I just, there wasn't enough to grab a hold of them. I mean, I, do I, am I supposed to like Ben Affleck's character? Well, not from what I saw, not really. Well, um, and I, I, I agree. And I've, I've, I didn't like his character, but I didn't blame it on him. I, I blamed it on the writing. I blamed because it, it was yeah. like, I want to know more about him. I want to know why he's struggling with having this relationship. But the director's not going to let me know that. And, and I'd like to know 
why? And her, I dislike. Yeah, Olga, she was twirling all the time. Ol- Olga, yeah, Karolinko. Mm-hmm. And she was like the manic pixie girl, happy oh, yeah. one moment, depressing. And I'm like, I thought she was just a bad actress. But then again, the director, I didn't feel like gave her enough material so that she could show growth or change. But then I saw, and then I was confirmed that when I saw her in uh, Oblivion, Oblivion, I was like, oh, okay, no, she's not just she's this happy actress. manic pixie girl. I think she's good. I think she is too. I think she actually was really good in this film. I enjoyed watching as good her. As she could be. I just didn't understand who she was, <laughs> and that's not there again, not her fault. I think she really. I could just imagine on set Terrence Malick saying, "You know what? Go out in this field and just be playful and be silly." Right. And that's what she did for probably half an hour while they filmed her. And she did her, that job great, but I don't think there was ever any more direction as to why mm-hmm. you are this way. Right. And we definitely never got that at uh, all. No. I enjoyed watching her. She was probably the person on screen, her and Javier Bardem. I enjoyed watching the most, hmm. but I still wish I knew more about them. I got you. Um, Bardem's part as the priest was interesting. Probably the most interesting part of the film to me, him True. going and visiting some of the people that are down on their luck and having some tough times. The scene in the prison was my absolute favorite yeah, scene where he's good. going and paying visits to some of the people in yeah, the prison was good. my absolute favorite scene of the film. But I do feel like that was in a whole different film. Well, and what's interesting about that now I'm thinking about it, the visuals in those scenes were still good, but actually that hinged more on the acting and the story in those scenes, as opposed yeah. to the other stuff yeah, it was just visual and there wasn't a lot there. So it's interesting that it was like two different films uh-huh. kind of it mushed was. together. It was leftovers from Tree of Life, then mushed together. It was almost two or three, only two or three scenes where the two storylines intersected. Oh, yeah. You know, very yeah. few. Very few. And, uh, but again, Bardem's part as the priest and the acting that was involved there was, to me, the highlight of the film. And I just wish I could have seen a whole film exploring his character and what he was trying to do and less of the romance that we had with these other three. And then Ben Affleck, good, good God, what, what's going on? <laughs> and again, I could say that maybe it's Terrence Malick that just didn't give him a whole lot to do. But again, we've got another performance just like Argo. I feel like this guy is just standing there, hmm. blank look on his face, and he thinks that's acting. It's like, I'm supposed to be tormented, <laughs> so I have to look this way, and I'm tormented. And for those of you who can't see at home, I'm standing here with just a blank look on my face. That's me tormented. Now I'm supposed to be curious. I'm going to play the same look. I just... I. I, it was grating on my nerves to watch him in this film. Mm. Luckily, he didn't have that many lines. No. He didn't even have that much voiceover. Uh, he had very little compared right. to the two women. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It just it just bugged me. It really bugged me. So, you know, if I could, that's why I say if the whole thing could have been a silent film, no dialogue, just give me the beautiful music and the beautiful imagery and let me watch these characters interact without even knowing what they're saying. Let me put in my own words. Let me make up my own scenarios from what you're showing me. I would have enjoyed that probably more than what I got. I think I think you and I have two directions that Malik can go that would be like really good for him to do and would make something different. So he's not repeating himself or not kind of making a, a knockoff Malik film, mm-hmm. even though he's Terrence Malik. You're suggesting the silent silent idea. Mm-hmm. Love that idea. Mm-hmm. Him make a silent film. I'm going to suggest that I would like to see Terrence Malik and his cinematographer do a horror movie. Here's here's why. Okay. The Rachel McAdams section, when she and um, Affleck part ways, there's some sequences that take place. And he's really good with light oh, anyway, yeah, inside a house. Yes. Okay. And the shadows and the way they light up bun- and some tracking shots inside. Yeah, it was good. Amazing. And I was like, wow, what if this guy made a horror movie? It didn't have to be a blood and guts horror movie, but no, just something, something taking creepy. place in a house or yeah. something. 
I think it would be amazing. All right. So what? I agree. I think that would so, be great. Let me ask you, and I'm not worried about spoiling. This is not a film that spoils. I don't think no, there's no. nothing spoiler no. about this film at all. Um, you know, we are following the main character, which we never learned their names, which I, I kind of figured that's, that's kind of a, a Malik thing as well. Um, <laughs> You know, Ben Affleck is meets a woman overseas. She she comes back to America with him. They're together for a while. She has a daughter with her. Then she leaves to go back. Right. Which we're not quite sure exactly what transpired as much. We have a little hint of some things. Her not feeling comfortable in America. And maybe. like the daughter really didn't. Well, like the daughter it. hated too. They go yeah. back. Then eventually she comes back to America by herself without her daughter. But in the meantime, we have Ben Affleck cavorting along with Rachel McAdams for a little bit, who's, I guess, somebody from his childhood that he's reconnecting with. But then Olga comes back from the other country, and now they're together. Then they have some problems again. It's it's a little back and forth on things. Yes. The scene with the house that you were alluding to, yes. where they're walking through the house, and it's a very dark house, and there's like almost like flashlight beams of light hitting different old toys and mm-hmm. antiques in there. Mm-hmm. What did you make of that scene? I, there again, I'm not worried about spoiling anything. This is a visual film not a plot driven film. So what, what did you, what was going on there? What did you take from that? I, I'm not sure. Okay. What I, I just want to make sure I wasn't the was only just, one. So. No, it was kind of odd. And I thought it was, and the, you know, dialogue It's just like, give me some dialogue and tell me exactly what's going on. I think that was at the point where they were kind of breaking apart and I didn't know if yeah, it, was it was something. Did she have someone who passed away and oh, she was looking at her, like her father's house or something Maybe. and going through like his old stuff. There was, there was one line that she says in a voiceover about, I thought I knew you. And then I like, I'm learning more about you or something. And okay. that's when she's exploring the house. I'm wondering if the house is something from his childhood or something from his background where she's kind of getting to know him through that. I, I didn't okay. know. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything on that. No, that one kind of that threw I... me for a loop too. Um, well, okay. See if you caught, a, caught right. on this. There again, not really can't spoil this movie. It's all about imagery. Yep. We can't spoil that on an audio podcast. Um, yeah. Did you pick up, because I read some stuff I was reading online to prepare for this. Did you pick up that supposedly the reason Affleck's character and the McAdams character drifted apart was because she revealed that she was having financial trouble and that's why something happened and he decided to veer away from her? No. No. Okay. I, didn't I was get, like, what? I didn't, I didn't get financial issues at all. No, I mean, towards the end, obviously, she has you know, an affair. Again, not going to spoil anything on him, even though, yeah, she has an affair on him. And that's that kind of causes that, that last division between them. But I think gotcha. there's tensions going all throughout the film. They're very it, watching them. It's an emotional roller now coaster. The, who film, has racially. the McAdams had, or? Oh no no no! Oh, you were saying McAdams had the financial difficulties. Yes yes yes. No yes, no, yes, I, yes. I I didn't know anything about that. Okay yeah, I didn't catch that either. Okay all right. So maybe that's the house thing, although I don't think it is. Possibly. But, I don't but no, know. you're saying the affair with uh, well, yeah. Link. Okay. Yeah, right, the right, affair right. at the end was probably the most clear cut thing sure. for me in the relationship. Yes. It's like all right, she Got did, it. had this. I affair. know why this isn't working out. Yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I get it. And yeah. then of course it has its closure at the end. Sure. Um, it's a challenging film, very frustrating. I think you summed it up right. And if it wasn't for it being so beautiful to watch, it, I, I would have lost my patience with it pretty early on. Um, this is probably Terrence Malick. It is most Malicky, <laughs> And uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. But I can say to people that if you're looking forward to a visual feast and you're willing to just not try to pay attention to what's being said or why it's being said, just enjoy it for the visuals. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful, beautiful film. Just man, you gotta, you just gotta be willing not to let it get it, get you frustrated. I yes. guess is the way to, to view it, right? Or if you like twirling women, twirling women, man, this film is all for you. So, 
Really, after watching this, I actually had to look up the Simpsons episode with <laughs> Kang and Kodos uh, being uh, dressed up as Bill Clinton doing the awesome. twirling, twirling. Because twirling, that's twirling. all I kept thinking. Every time I saw her out in the field just spinning and twirling around, it's just, oh. Yeah. It was a little much. It was. Okay. So I'm. Uh, we're both mixed on the film. Ultimately, we're going to lean on the side of saying, you know, there's some value to it to check it out. And it's worthwhile. But, man, you got to go in with a lot of understanding of what to let go of. So. Sure. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hit some uh, quick news, movie news, and end up with our recommendations for online viewing. Stay tuned for Foot Candle Films. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on themesh.tv. I would encourage you, just like I referenced in our review of To the Wonder, feel free to go back and listen to some of our old shows. Maybe there's a film that you missed in the theater that's out on DVD or online now that we had a review of. Go back and check our archives and see what we had to say about the film. And you know what? We even love it if you have some opinions contrary to our own that you want to share, even on an old film that we reviewed a year or two ago, go online, drop us a note. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We are always uh, available for constructive criticism and feedback. Gotten some feedback. Apparently, I'm one of the few people that didn't like Les Mis. People, come on, support me. You really got a lot of people bad mouthing you for Les Mis. Okay, so I still haven't seen it, so I can't back you up <laughs> okay. on it. I'm sorry. I'll try to do that at some point. Well, we just finished our reviews of To the Wonder and Oblivion, and now we're going to move on to some movie news. Uh, I got three pieces of news. I always try to keep Chris on his toes. Excellent. Keep him up to date with what's going on in the film world. And uh, with a couple of these, I think you're going to find very interesting. Third one, maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> Werner Herzog, ah. someone we, we like to talk about here on this, on this uh, podcast. Uh, we were fans of some of his recent films. Um, I think even going back to one of our very early, as a film society, films that we saw was uh, Rescue Dawn mm, uh, with uh, Christian Bale. Yeah. So we've been a fan of his for a while. You talked about Cave of Forgotten Dreams, I think, even maybe last episode or two episodes ago Uh, as a recommendation. Two episodes ago, sure. Mm -hmm. So right now what I understand he's working on uh, is a biopic Hmm. called Queen of the Desert that he's supposedly uh, trying to get James Franco to get involved with. Really? He supposedly already has Naomi Watts locked in. This is a biopic about Gertrude Bell. Do you know anything about Gertrude Bell? No. Unfortunate first name there, Gertrude. Sounds like for the next few years, you're going to probably hear a lot more about her because Ridley Scott is also working on a biopic about her with Angelina Jolie. Now, they're both in early development. We don't know which one's going to come out on top. But we've got two biopics about this woman, Gertrude Bell. Let me tell you who she is. She huh. is an English English writer, traveler, political officer, administrator, archaeologist, and spy who explored, mapped, and became highly influential to British imperial policymaking due to her skill and contacts, built up through her extensive travels in greater Syria, Mesopotamia, Asia Minor, and Arabia. Hmm. Along with T.E. Lawrence, Bell helped establish the, oh gosh, Hashemites in, in what is today Jordan as well as Iraq. So this is back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So this she is was, Lawrence of Arabia territory. Oh yeah. T. Lawrence. She's okay. very. She was a very influential individual during a lot of that time to the to the the, the British uh, 
British imperial policymaking. Hmm. And uh, again, I know nothing next to nothing about her. But supposedly Naomi Watts is already locked in to play her in the Herzog version. Gotcha. Robert Pattinson from Twilight fame is also involved. In uh, the Herzog version? Mm-hmm. And now they're, he's trying to get James Franco involved as well. Huh. Ridley Scott has got the other version with Angelina Jolie. So be interesting to see where they go. Uh, but Herzog tackling another biopic. I don't think he's done one since Rescue Dawn. Um, I don't believe so. He's done documentaries. Sure. Not a right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's that could be fun, could be interesting. <laughs> but I guess it's just more than interesting to me that it seems like Hollywood always tries to lock on to a certain topic or certain subject, and they've got to develop multiple projects along the like same the multiple line. multiple Steve Jobs movies. That's and, right. right. Hercules is another big one right now. I suppose mm-hmm. there's two or three Hercules movies being made uh, mm-hmm. at the same time. So it's just kind of interesting to see how that all happens. I think one studio gets wind of what another studio is doing. It's like, oh, we got to fast track a similar well, then you project. Lincoln and Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure those are competing. And, uh, you know, even some others. I mean, think about the one that's out now that um, Olympus has fallen, uh, attacking the White House, kind of a diehard in the White House. There's a one called White House Down coming out in a few more months. That's White House very, Down. Yeah, White House Down. Very similar. So. Yeah. Hmm. It's just interesting how Hollywood works. Seems I will say, though, what's specifically interesting to me is that it's two really big direct. Normally, it's like you have, you know, a Ridley Scott and then you'll have somebody that's not as well known and they kind of get him to kind of do like a copycat movie or right. something to yeah. kind of, you know. But this is two big direct. Well, they're both in very early development. So okay. it's very possible one of them may say, eh, I'm done. I don't want to deal uh, with it. Herzog's doing it or uh, Ridley Scott's doing it. I don't want to compete. Hmm. But it's just I was just reading up on it because I was curious when I saw Herzog's next project and did a little checking in found out this is what was going on. Question. Yeah. Who would you rather blink? In other words, who would you rather say, okay, I'm walking away? Which which person would you most be interested to see this film from? Um, if only one can The do idea it. of Ridley Scott doing this biopic does not excite me at all. Okay. Uh, really, Scott, I get excited when it's a visual sci-fi adventure or something. Okay. This being a biopic that sounds pretty pretty cut and dry, uh, I'd rather see Herzog's take on it. I I agree. Yeah, I just I'd rather <laughs> for see all the same reasons. <laughs> I'd rather see something interesting. Sure. I'm afraid Ridley Scott could play the typical big sweeping epic biopic, and I'm I'm not really that interested in that. Right. So all right. Um, so moving on, uh, Tom Hiddleston. Okay. Uh, here's a guy, Loki. for those of you, yep, Loki from Thor and the Avengers. He was also Midnight in Paris. He played F. Scott Fitzgerald, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Deep Blue Sea, which I never saw, but I heard really good things about I've him. I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. He was also in War Horse, which I never saw War Horse either. I but didn't anyway. uh, He is in the new Jim Jarmusch film oh, okay. uh, called Only Lovers Left Alive. And he plays a vampire, an <laughs> underground musician vampire. Uh, plays against uh, Tilda Swinton. Okay. And Maya Wasikowska. Okay. So sounds pretty interesting. Are you a Jarmusch fan? I mean, I am. I mean, I have not seen his most recent one because it didn't get a lot of good reviews. Yeah. And it didn't play anywhere near here. But um, I like a lot of his earlier stuff. I'm mm. kind of more of a fan of. But he's got, you know, Broken Flowers. With I really Murray, like Broken Flowers. I Dead Man with Johnny Depp. It, yeah. He's he's got an interesting visual style. Coffee and cigarettes, which had like little vignettes, mm-hmm. of which Jack White was actually in one of them. He's got an interesting visual style. A lot of it just depends on what kind of story he's telling. Well, the fact so. that he's got three, I think, very very talented actors in this with Hiddleston, Swinton, and Wasikowska. Uh, to me, those are those are That's three true. good ones. And, and him uh, doing a vampire movie, be like, okay, I'll see, a, I'll see his take on basically that. Basically, he's an, he's an underground musician vampire. 
Okay. And uh, has a relationship with Tilda Swinton and Tilda Swinton's little sister, Maya, once the casket gets in the middle and disrupts hmm. it to some degree. Okay. But, but listen to this with Tom Hiddleston. Tell me if this is not a guy that it's just got some big things coming on the horizon. Okay. He's already in the Thor sequel that comes out later this year, obviously. Okay. He may have a role in the next Avengers film. Who knows? Uh, he's in the Muppets sequel, which is called the Muppets dot, dot, dot again. <laughs> nice. Which I think it's kind of funny. I, I like that. Yeah. He's supposedly got a role in that. I'm pl- I didn't not- know that they were, had agreed to do mm-hmm. one, but okay. It's the Muppets so much again. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. He is rumored to be the lead in the remake of The Crow. Oh, Mm. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be good for him or not. <laughs> I don't know. But getting him into a lead role in a franchise like that, I don't know how that's going to work out. Hmm. So anyway, I, I think this is a guy, he's got a lot of big projects on the horizon, but hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I always like to see when guys who strike it big with the Avengers and kind of get known for that kind of big role, turn right around and do a Jarmusch found a yeah, film that's, and other things that's that to me great. is good. That's a kind of a good sign of a good actor. I'm very anxious to see what, uh, what the future holds for Mr. Hiddleston. Hmm. So cool. Now going from Jarmusch and Herzog, I mean, naturally the third director we have to talk about in this, this, this trilogy, Michael Bay. Ah, <laughs> so here we go. Michael Bay has got a film coming out. I think actually this weekend called pain and gain. Yes. Have you seen anything about it? I, you actually mentioned something to me about it, and I watched the Red Band, Not mm-hmm. Safe for Work trailer. Yeah. It was mildly amusing. All right. Say. So this is a film with The Rock and Mark Wahlberg, and they play uh, uh, steroids using, from what I understand, uh, bodybuilders who mm-hmm. decide, you know what, they're sick of their life, and they it's time to stick it to the man. They deserve more out of life, so they go on a little bit of a crime spree and kidnapping a guy and trying to extort his money. Supposedly all based on a true story. Yeah. So I admit from the trailers and everything I've read and seen so far, this could be Michael Bay's opus. This could be his epic. (laughs) And that's not saying much, but that could be, this could be the defining Michael Bay film. Not to you and I, it's not saying much. (laughs) No, it's not saying (laughs) much. To other people, he's got a lot of fans. So So here's what I got curious about. As I started reading about this, I'm like, you know, we, we talk about Michael Bay from time to time as a director and, you know, we kind of bash on him a little bit, but I'm curious how many of Michael Bay's films has Chris Fry actually seen? Hmm. So, Here's the list. Tell me if you've seen them or not. Okay. Bad Boys. No. No. The Rock. Nope. Armageddon. Unfortunately, yes. (laughs) I know you've seen Armageddon because we've had I think that may be what I'm basing my whole knowledge of him off. All right. So we got Armageddon. So you're one for three so far. Yeah. Pearl Harbor. No. Bad Boys 2. Nope. The Island. I did see that. Okay. Only because Ewan McGregor was in it. All right. So you're two out of one, two, three, four. Two of six. You've seen one third of his (laughs) his body of work so far. Transformers. I, I did see that. Transformers 2. No. Transformers 3. No. Okay, you are batting exactly 30%. <laughs> You've seen 30% of Michael Bay's filmography at this point. Is that enough to base a complete decision on a director at that point? Because I take it from your, your comments, you did not like Armageddon. No, I did. And you did not like Transformers. Did you like the, uh, the island? It was okay. It wasn't yeah. the direction that was the problem with it. It was just... Uh, it was, it was I will okay. say the island of all the films I've seen of his probably is my favorite. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would probably say Because it at same. least had a high concept to it, and I think Ewan McGregor was pretty good in it. I, I, I thought it was okay. I, I would agree. Yeah. And that, I think that's why, you know, I think you can definitely form an opinion or a stereotype of what is a stereotypical Michael Bay film. Yeah. And that's pretty much all he's ever done, explosions and things like mm-hmm. that. 
from what I saw in the trailer, to me, this looks like a Coen Brothers movie. Kind of looks like Burn After Reading. Yes. That's um, the one, exactly the one I thought of as well. Um, yeah, and like so, kind of a dim-witted, yes. dim-witted crime uh, criminals trying to pull something over what they perceive as an injustice in the world or something. And so. hopefully it'll be more successful than the Coen Brothers, The Lady Killers, which was also yeah. dim-witted crime. You know, but it's like, that's what it looks like to me. And I'm actually interested in seeing it because even though I can't tell you a movie that I liked Dwayne Johnson, the rock in, I mean, he was interesting in Southland tales, but I think he's got some acting ability as Mark Wahlberg. And I think together they'd make an interesting pair. Hmm. And so I think there's, there's something there. Well, now, I will say the be- reviews um, for the most part have been pretty good. So far. Oh, yeah? yeah. So I'm actually, I'm curious. I think going in, seeing a film that you know is a Michael Bay film, it almost seems like the prototypical Michael Bay film. Because there are explosions. has a little more going for Things it do. than trying to take on a big franchise or dumbing down a high-concept high film. Gotcha. Like I thought The Island was good in the first half. The second half, it became a big Michael Bay, Michael Bay explosion film. Gotcha. So um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, 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 I will hold out judgment till I see it, but right now I'm curious. This could be the one Michael Bay film that I'm somewhat looking forward to because gotcha. I can look back through this list and I did not look forward to any of these films when they were released. Gotcha. Okay. So that's our news. Like I said, two directors of one caliber, and then we had to throw a Michael <laughs> Bay story in there just to balance it out a little that's bit. That's right. So, yeah. So that's our, uh, that's our news for this episode. Now we're going to move on to the final segment where we come up with our one recommendation of a film that you can check out now online through some online service of some sort. Uh, one that we think you might have missed and you might want to check out if you have the chance. Chris, you want to go first and tell me what your recommendation of the of the episode is? Absolutely. Alan, have you been wondering what Mr. Keanu Reeves has been up to? Have you every just day. Been- <laughs> I mean, actually, my wife and I talk about that at breakfast every morning. It's When's like, another what? Matrix movie yeah, coming what's out? What's Keanu up to? <laughs> yeah. All right. Right. Well, are you going to answer it for me? I am. Okay. Or at least what he was up to. Now I don't know what he's doing today. Okay. But uh, <laughs> previous, <laughs> previous. We don't have a Keanu Reeves no. watch every day to see what he what doesn't he's return doing. my calls. I don't know. <laughs> right. uh, he helped do a documentary called Side by Side, which oh, was about right. comparing mm-hmm. digital filmmaking to traditional filmmaking, and it's out on Netflix. It's streaming. And he interviews several directors. I mean, he does James Cameron, David Fincher, David Lynch, Robert Rodriguez, Martin Scorsese, Steven Soderbergh, Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. and just ask their opinion on, okay, guys, you know, you like digital. Tell me why mm-hmm. and explain. Mm-hmm. Okay, you like traditional 35 millimeter shooting on film. Why? And then ask them, like, well, isn't this better? Isn't that better? And the responses that he gets are interesting. And it was also a very good documentary just to learn about how films made hmm. and okay. why certain things are done certain ways. Cool. And I, I found it really enlightening. Anybody who likes to go see movies or I think would find it interesting. And I, you know, if you are in college and you're like wanting to go into film, you definitely should see this as part of your like Good. knowledge. <laughs> I, I've heard a, a lot about it and I'm, I'm, I'm a real very interested in that field to begin with. So I definitely need to check that out. I think they ought to do a sequel though, side by side too. And instead <laughs> this time they actually pit in a, like a death match type of place the 35 millimeter advocates versus the mm. digital and just let them fight it out, fight it out. Whoever's left standing, have them like on a that's panel. the format that's we're left with. That's how it's going to be for their own. Well, end. and I'll say too, with the two movies that we reviewed to the wonder, no surprise there shot on 35 millimeter shot on film, okay. Terrence Malick. Okay. Oblivion shot with the red. So mm-hmm. you've got two perfect examples right there. Mm-hmm. Now I would say there was cool imagery in both, both of them, but I guess I'll just, you know, let the cat out of the bag to me. There's something about a, I feel like I can tell a warmth yeah. 
to images that are shot with film as opposed to digital. Now it's just, and, I, and, I, and, I, and intern Nick is cheering behind you. So I yes, admit, he agrees. I admit, However, I've got a counter for it. I Go admit ahead. it's totally subjective and I could be completely wrong because oblivion is also very CG heavy, CGI heavy. So yes. that's going to look really digital anyway. But um, I will say to me, I just feel like I can tell the warmth. Plus, there's one thing that I will not back down on, which was mentioned in the film, the variety of light types of light that film can shoot in as opposed to digital right now. It's like night and day. Digital to me can't handle darkness. Maybe, will, maybe eventually it can. I will. Yeah, that's the phrase you got to use maybe one day because it will. I mean, technology is advancing pretty darn quickly on the stuff. I agree right now. If you were to see. Film compared to digital video, you can still tell a difference. The warmth is still missing, and the yes, the 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 lighting conditions, the range, yeah, not, the range is not as good. However, compare it how it was five years ago. Five years ago, the gap was so much was wider big. between the two. Sure. It's getting narrower. We know we're going to a digital world. Thirty-five millimeters not left much time in this world, but luckily, I do feel like digital is making enough progression that even though I lament the the loss of thirty-five millimeter, I'm encouraged in knowing that digital is is progressing so quickly. I don't think it's that many years off where we can start saying, yo, yeah, digital film is now exactly where 35 millimeter was quality wise. We're getting there. We're not right. there yet, but I do think we're getting there. But I, I, I still, I lament the, would lament the loss of 35 millimeter completely. Do I think it's bad that a lot of filmmakers are using digital? No. Cause they're able to do things, shooting conditions they wouldn't be able to otherwise. Yep. But I just think it would be a shame if a format was lost just because that's a medium that people couldn't use anymore. Well, it kind of easy to go back to the film we talked about in our last episode during the film festival the review Polaroid where thing. I talked about the Polaroid documentary. Same kind of idea. It's like, sure, yeah, it's really cool to have had Polaroid. And it's a, unfortunately, it's sad that it's gone. But, you know, things have moved on. We've got Instagram. And I think some of these Instagram photos that people take now look just like the Polaroid used to. I mean, it's... We are in a society that's going to be progressing, sure. and, and, and as much as we can limit the fact uh, that old vinyl LPs are not really with us that much anymore, old cassette tapes are out of date, we all, nostalgic-wise, uh, tend to like those better. But I guarantee you, you ask my kids, you know, if they were to like listen to an LP and listen to a CD, they're going to go for the CD just because of the format. Right. They have no nostalgic feelings towards... Or just MP3, towards, they, don't yeah, the CD they have anymore. no nostalgic feelings sure. towards cassette or, or LP. So I think we're, we're wrestling with a little bit of that. You and I grew up in the 70s and 80s when film was film, and right. that's what we're just used to. Well, so. I'll say, too, last note on Side by Side, one of the things I appreciated about it is that it is even-handed. It okay, gives good. you both sides, and it kind of just lays it out there, and it's like, you know... Here's what's happening. You make your decision about you. That's I don't good. feel like it rams one way or the other down your throat because it has Nolan on there who is very 35 millimeter. Sure, yes. And it has Soderbergh who's like, screw that, man. I'm all digital. <laughs> you know? yeah. And several other. So it was, it was just really interesting to hear from people that I would consider to be experts what their opinion is. Right. Well, my recommendation, completely different. I got to see Silver Lighting's playbook again the other night. It's my second time viewing. I still absolutely love that movie. Really? And, oh, yeah. <laughs> you saw it. You didn't yep. like it. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. Man. Thank you. Intern Nick just <laughs> said in the background, it's a great movie. I agree. Love it. I was also a huge fan of The Fighter a couple years ago, too. Love The Fighter. I Heart Huckabees. Great movie. Ah, now I Heart Huckabees. That's Chris Fry's kind but of it's movie. A good, it's a good movie. <laughs> Heck yeah. Uh, Three Kings is a great movie. Like so movie. I'm, I'm a huge David O. Russell fan. Got you. So I wanted to recommend to people in case you haven't seen it. It wasn't his first film. His first film was Spanking the Monkey, I believe. Okay. Second film, the one that was a little more mainstream, was 
Flirting with Disaster. Okay. This is, have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. Once a long time ago. Ben Stiller, Patricia Arquette. This is Ben Stiller before he became Night at the Museum Ben Stiller. This is like, <laughs> he's still a comedian, first and foremost. Is- he had done the Ben Stiller show on MTV and kind of mm-hmm. had a little bit of a cult following. So this is still good, pristine, vintage Ben Stiller here. Got you. Uh, Patricia, Patricia Arquette, Taya Leone. What I love about it, let me tell you the, just the, the summary. Too, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. The summary of this film is, Basically, Ben Stiller's character, he and his wife had their son five months ago, but he's still unable to name the child because he wants to know <laughs> more about his biological parents. He, he doesn't know who his biological parents are. So he and his wife, and then their social worker, who's also you know, pretty inept. I mean, she's not very good at what she does. They go off on a trip to California to meet his birth mother, who turns out it's not really his birth mother. She sends him on another little chase. They go tracking down, trying to find his birth parents so that they can actually give a name to their child. I just love the premise. I yeah, think it's fun anyway. It's good. You got some great performances by Ben Stiller and Taylor Leone, I think is really good there. But yes, four of the people that we meet that could be potential parent mm-hmm. candidates. You've got Alan Alda and Lily Tomlin as a pair. Awesome. And then you've got Mary Tyler Moore and George Siegel. Uh, so you've got four real classic actors here, especially TV actors for the most part, uh, going in and playing these really great roles. Alan Alda and Lily Tomlin especially, playing very hippie, just <laughs> out there, psychedelic, uh, yes. you know, <laughs> experimenting with a lot of things. Uh, really fun couple to, to watch. Overall, it's just is a fun film. It is not a typical broad comedy. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot of little... <laughs> Surprises or some drama thrown in that's a little unexpected at times. Uh, it's just a very well made, good, good movie. And I think for it being his first real kind of big star film, it was really good. So mm-hmm. it was definitely a good predictor of the kind of films I was going to like later on in his career. So gotcha. good. So that's it for our episode today, Chris. Not bad. Yeah. So basically, recapping Oblivion, we both say, yep, good. Check it out. Uh, to the Wonder. Good to look at. Just prepare to be frustrated. Yeah. If you didn't like Tree of Life, I would oh, say yeah, yeah. don't bother. No, yeah. if, if Tree of Life was not your cup of tea, you were going to hate be. this film. Yeah. Um, Unless you like to look at Ben Affleck dressed up in Abercrombie and Fitch. Then, hey. what? Is, I'm sorry. I can't close the show yet. I got to ask this question. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Back to the, to the wonder again. Yes. Is there something that Malik is trying to say with the fact that our three main characters that are in this love triangle all are beautiful wearing stylish clothes catalog looking like clothes. they are in a catalog mm-hmm. and everybody else in the film in this little town in Texas is unattractive <laughs> down on their luck, but they're happy. That. They're happy. <laughs> is there something to be said there? Do you think that's intentional <laughs> or did, it, did he just let Ben Affleck pick out his own wardrobe? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. Uh, just uh, yeah. food for thought. Maybe we'll sure. follow up next episode. I think there's something to that. Okay. All right. So anyway, back to what we were doing. What else are doing? We're closing the show. <laughs> I guess. Closing the show. That's it for Foot Candle Films. Oblivion to the Wonder, both available at, to the Wonders, available on iTunes. You can go rent it tonight yeah. on, your, on your home TV. We had our recommendations, Flirting with Disaster, and also recommendation was Side by Side, by side the documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Michael Bay. We talked about uh, Jim Jarmusch and Tom Hiddleston. We talked about Werner Herzog. Uh, man, we had a pretty good show, I think. We did. All right. I encourage anybody who wants to go back and hear even more of this wondrous content, <laughs> go back and check out our old archives shows. You can go to themesh.tv, uh, look for Foot Candle Films, and you can see all the other episodes we've ever done. Uh, you can also learn more about the Foot Candle Film Society. That's the group that kind of got us started on this show to begin with. 
at footcandle.org. That's a film society Chris and I started several years ago here in Western North Carolina, bringing some of these films we're talking about right here to our uh, our backyard theater. And with that, I guess we'll wrap it up. We look forward to talking to you next time when we put out our next episode. Until then, have fun. Take care. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.